It's been a while since we've been in 2 Kings, and so the last sermon, as a reminder, was about a man who was one of the sons of the prophets who went out. They decided they needed more space, they needed more room, so they decided they were going to build a bigger building. And so they all went out to cut trees, and they asked Elisha to come with them. And while they were cutting trees, one of the men lost an axe. The axe head flew off into the water, and it seems like a small thing. It's an axe head. I reminded you that at that time, an axe head is not a small thing. This is not at a time when you can go down to Menards and just buy a new axe head or a new axe head for $35. You're talking weeks worth of wages to get an axe head. If you were to think about how to go make an axe head yourself right now, that might give you a clue to why it was a big deal. And yet God provided through Elisha. God provided through Elisha for this, this man, this son of the prophets. Now our passage this morning is about how God provides for and protects not just one person, but a whole city and a whole nation, his people. And one of the beautiful things that we see in this passage is the way that God opens and closes eyes. God opens and closes eyes so that we can see and then we can't see and then we can see and then we can't see. That's all dependent on God and we see that in this passage and it's a beautiful thing when you fast forward all the way to the New Testament and you see Jesus healing the eyes of the blind and they are physically blind people. And it's a miracle. And it's a joyful thing. And yet, it's really only a pointer to the fact that Jesus Christ is able to give us new spiritual eyes to see. Just like Jesus says, what's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk? Right? The spiritual and the physical are connected. And so when Jesus says, see, and physically you can see, well, guess what? When Jesus says, see, he can make you spiritually see too. He can make you see spiritually his truths. And we get a little, little glimpse of this in our passage. It's a beautiful thing. And... There ought to be a response on our part to desire to be able to see. To be blind is bad. To see is good. I know that's so obvious, right? Why should you even have to say it? Well, because all of you have eyes that work physically, right? And so it can be very easy to ignore whether you see with spiritual eyes. 
It's time for us to see with eyes of faith. To see spiritually. Okay, so now with that as a back stop, I just said it's time for you to see with eyes of faith, to see spiritually. Okay, now everybody, look around. Everybody looking around? Nobody's looking around. Everybody's looking at me still. Look around. Back there. Look around. Okay. Look around. What do you see? Kids, what do you see? It's not a trick question. Just tell me what you physically see. What do you physically see? Inside of the gym. What else do you see? Yeah. What bleachers, yeah. What else is in here? Yeah. People. What people? Us. That's a good answer. <laughs> Us. But it's a group of, yeah. What do you see? God's home. It's a, oh, you're seeing with spiritual eyes, eyes of faith. See, there's a lot of things for us to see, and it's easy for us to get, to get distracted, right, by the things that are easy for us to see. It's easy for us to see. It's easy for us to feel. It's easy for us to taste. It's easy for us to hear with this body, the things of this life. You can look around, you can see the building. You can see the people. Now, maybe some of you look around and you see a church. And of course, the church is not the building. The church is the people. The people of God. Maybe you look around and you see, I see the people of God. What a joyful thing to see. They are God's home. God dwells among his people. What a beautiful thing to see. What a beautiful thing to see when you look around. But maybe you look around and you just see problems. And that could be the building, because there are problems with the building. Or it could be the people, because there's problems with the people too. Maybe you look around and you see things that need to be done. Maybe you look around and you're bored. I don't see anything. Nothing worth looking at. There's no TV. Entertain me. But regardless of what you see, the call to you this morning is to see with eyes of faith. And the key that we see here in this passage is, yes, these are God's people. God is among them. The church is truly His, not ours. And He has them under His protection. He has us under His protection. And sometimes that is very very hard to see, right? Sometimes you don't feel protected at all. And so, if you don't feel protected, if you don't feel like you're under, under God's protection, you need to have your eyes opened the way that Elisha's servant had his eyes opened. What do eyes of faith 
see. They don't just see God's people. They see God's people whom God has not abandoned. They see God's people with God's protection surrounding them. Do you see legions of angels? I don't see legions of angels. But by faith, do you believe that there are such a thing as angels? That's where we've got to start, right? We've got to start with whether you actually believe there are angels. Because when Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. Peter thought the protection was all dependent on him, right? And Jesus says, no, don't, you don't understand. Don't you realize that I could right now ask my father for 12 legions of angels? And he would put them at my disposal? And what would a little party of soldiers and servants and Judas be able to do against 12 times 6,000 men? What would they be able to do against 12 times 6,000 little kids? They'd just be in the way. I can't get there. There's too many people in the way. But now imagine they're angels. Angels fight. They don't stand there and look pretty on a tree. They fight. They are, they are God's workers doing God's will. They are messengers, yes, but they are God's protection. And so we we're given these beautiful promises that the, the children of God's people are God's concern as well. And so there are angels watching out for them, for you guys, you kids. How amazing is that? So you look around. You're in your bedroom at night. Lights are off. It's hard to see anything. And What are you afraid of? The dark? A monster? What are you afraid of? I see some wide eyes back there. What, what might you be afraid of? There, there's a lot of things for us to be afraid of. But you know what? God, God cares for each and every one of you. And so he's giving you his protection. Angels. It's easy for us to think of God's protection as just God is, after all, omnipotent. And so he can stop and start and do anything he wants. And that is absolutely true. And that is our ultimate comfort and our hope. And yet, <clears throat> as strange as this may seem, he has determined to use angels. Actual beings that are spiritual and yet can interact with this physical world in various ways. Now, does that help you to feel safer? If you were Elisha's servant and you saw them actually... I'll bet you it would, right? And it would also be a little bit terrifying, right? 
After all, there's flaming chariots surrounding Elisha. I don't want to get too close. Are they riding in circles like this? Like if I step in, what's going to happen? I don't know. I think I'll just keep my distance. Leave the flaming chariots and the protection of Elisha. I'll just stay close enough that they'll also be protecting me. But also the hills are full of the horses, which presumably have angels on them. Right? God doesn't promise that no danger will come to his people. He never promises that there won't be any trials, that there won't be any persecution, that there won't be any enemies. He promises exactly the opposite, in fact, that there will be enemies, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted because everybody who hates God hates God's people. And so, we are hated. And Elisha was doing the Lord's work, protecting the Lord's people, saving the king of Israel from being ambushed, being captured, being killed. Elisha was doing and it made him an enemy, a powerful enemy. Being good, doing good things can make you enemies. It often does. Refusing to go along with evil makes you enemies. People want you to join with them in their wickedness. The book of Proverbs is all about this danger of knowing, hey, they want you to come with them. When they say to you, come with us, let us murder, let us kill, let us steal, let us pillage and plunder and gain the world. Do not listen to them. Do not listen to them. Do not go along with them and pretend like you're not going to do it. It's like the time that my friend said, let's go break windows in that garage. I said, no, no, no. And then I went with him. And who was guilty? I was guilty. I don't even know if I actually broke any of them, but you know what? Who, who went with them? I was there. And if I'd said no, then what would I have lost? A friend? Maybe. Probably would have been a good thing, huh? Who needs that kind of friend? No, God doesn't promise that you won't have enemies. He doesn't promise there won't be any danger. But what does he say? <clears throat> he is our shield. He is our defender. He lifts up our head. Which is to say, you'll be lying down in the dust. You, that's when you need your head lifted up. I, my head doesn't need to be lifted up. I'm upright. Right? Lift my head up right now, it'll only hurt. When you need your head lifted up is when you've been smashed into the dirt. And you need someone to help you up. He will lift up your head. He's our shield. 
our perfect defender. No harm will befall us except what he allows. Now, that's where your head explodes, right? What? I thought he loved us. How could he possibly let harm come to us? How could he possibly let anything bad happen to me? I thought he loved me. Okay, well, let's, let's stop right there for a second, and let's just ask, what are the troubles that you face? What are the troubles that he has allowed on you right now? What are you afraid of right now? What do you need protection from right now? The eyes of faith don't just see the physical problems. I don't have enough money. Okay, well, that's a physical problem. What else do you need? Do you need his help resisting sin? Oh, yeah, I need that too. Oh, yeah. Definitely need that. That's a trouble. That's a trouble that comes in part from what is inside us already that we have to be putting to death day by day, mortifying our flesh, right? Putting to death the inner man by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by your own strength. You will not accomplish it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what else? It doesn't just come from within, it comes from without. Temptation comes from without. We already talked about friends saying, come with us, let us do evil together. But Satan himself exists for real. If angels are real, so are demons, and they will tempt you. And he is a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. What are the troubles you face? What are the enemies? What are the dangers? I don't mean to deny the physical. I just mean open your eyes. See with eyes of faith. See beyond simply what's obvious to everybody around you who can see it. And you're like, oh, well, you know. I see a scrape on you. That needs to be fixed. Okay, yeah, that's true. I see you're struggling with Anxiety. Well, yes, anybody who will look at me could tell I was struggling with anxiety. I see you struggling to trust God. I see an army with horses and chariots circling the city to kill you. What? That's a real problem. The physical problems are real. They're absolutely real. The dangers that you're facing, if they're physical, I'm not discounting them. They're absolutely real. And they might be the enemies of Christ trying to kill you. That's certainly what was going on here with Elisha. And that's why the servant was like, Oh no, what are we going to do? 
And Elisha's not that way. Why? Why in the world is Elisha just like, oh, yep, there's enemies out there. They're trying to kill me. They're here for me. Is it because he's looking forward to it? No. It's because he sees with eyes of faith. Now, here's the interesting thing. I, I, I kept reading this passage. What does the servant say? <clears throat> and by the way, if you weren't listening, kids, we, we, let's just back up a second. What happened in this story was Elisha kept messing up the plans of the king of Aram. We don't know how he kept knowing exactly what the plans of the king of Aram were. Maybe God was sending an angel to tell him. Or maybe he was just smart and figured it out. Or we don't know. But he kept messing up the plan so much that the king thought there was a spy in his own council of war, his closest advisors. And it didn't just happen once or twice, it says. But somehow, somebody in that close group also knew that it was Elisha that was doing it. We don't know how he knew that. There's a lot we don't know here, right? And so, <clears throat> they find out where he is. He's in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots, a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And so now it says in verse 15, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, you know, I'll get some water and some coffee and start my day out like I do every day. Uh, that was unexpected. There's an army here. They're the enemy. And his servant says to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha answers, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha was confident the same way that Jesus was confident. He knew that legions of angels were available. So if God's plan is for them to be in the hands of the king of Aram, then yeah, they'll be in the hands of the king of Aram. But if God's plan is not for the king of Aram to take Elisha into custody, arrest him and torture and kill him, it's not going to happen. Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the, and the servant looks around and he's like, in this city? In this little town? That's able to be surrounded by an army? Clearly not. Talk about unreasonable. It really does take eyes of faith to see the truth, doesn't it? Because just looking with eyes of flesh, you look around like, no, we're done for. That's clear. There's horses and chariots and army circling the city. Now remember I said there's a lot of things we don't know. I backed up. Now here, here's what I was trying to get to. One of the things as you read this that isn't really clear, it's really not clear that Elisha can see the chariots and the horsemen, the angels. 
He says, there's more on our side than there are on their side. Do you think Elisha just had permanent spiritual vision and could see angels everywhere that they were? I don't know. We don't know, right? That'd be kind of cool. I personally kind of doubt it. But we don't know. We don't even know whether he saw them here. We do know that he had faith. We do know that he had faith. He knows that legions of angels are available. And so he prays to God that God would open that man's eyes. Verse 17, Elijah prayed, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Now what could that look like? In this particular instance, it looks like the man suddenly being able to physically see into the spiritual realm and to see the angels. And sometimes I know you wish that would happen to you, right? Wouldn't that be a simple way of making you at peace? Can you not see the work of God right now when you look around? Can you not see evidence of His hand? Can you not see with spiritual eyes at all? Are your eyes open when you face troubles? Speaking of our enemies in 1 John, we read, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. That'll get your attention, won't it? Antichrist, okay. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yeah, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but you know what? God is your shield, your defender. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There's more there than on the other side. The scale doesn't even come close. This is very similar to what Elisha says. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. It's simple. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so Elisha prays that the eyes of his servant would be opened. And the servant sees. And he sees with spiritual eyes and he realizes, oh yeah, we're in God's hands. That's what it means to see. 
You do not need to look around and be able to see angels in order to have your spiritual eyes opened. All you have to do is remember. God is on the throne. You don't have to look up into the heavenlies like Stephen did when he was dying and see the heavens opened and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You just have to know that's where he is. That's where he is. There is no doubt about who the king is. Now, this whole thing about seeing and having our eyes open is mirrored on the other side with Elisha then saying, Now close the eyes, God, please, I pray, of all these enemies. And there's one other place where we read the same words of them being struck with blindness, and that is when the men were seeking to attack the angels who were with Lot. Same words, that they were struck with this blindness. And the picture here is not one of suddenly the world being black to them. Because he leads them on a long journey to another city. They're able to see still in some sense, but their eyes are clouded. They cannot understand. It's the same, it's the same sort of thing going on as having your spiritual eyes opened to remembering the truth that God is God. In the same way their eyes are closed and they don't know they're left from their right. They don't know who Elisha is. They're totally blinded to what is going on. They're blinded to reality. They don't appear to be made physically blind. They are closed off from being able to see the truth. We want to be opened up to being able to see the truth. They are closed off from being able to see the truth. You guys remember, these are not the droids you are looking for. This is not the man you are looking for. It's not a magic trick. It's God, close their eyes. Don't let them see. Don't let them know. Don't let them understand. And so they don't. And they have, when he prays again, now, Father, let them see. And they realize, oh, boy. Now we're surrounded. Now we're in danger. God can open and close our eyes just like that, can't he? The servant's eyes were closed and he prays and then they're open. And the enemies could see clearly what was going on. We were going to Dothan. What's the name of that town? Dothan? Yeah. We're going to Dothan. That's where Elisha is. That's the guy we're after. And then they were closed. They had no idea what was going on. They don't remember who they're after or why. And then they were open. And they knew, oh yeah, Elisha, right, oh, the king. Ah, 
Yes, now we are in danger. God opens and he closes these eyes. They've been delivered into the hands of their enemies. God's people now have power over their enemies. And what do they do? Vengeance! They have been bothering us. They have been tormenting us. Now we get to kill them, right, Elijah? Can I kill them? Can I kill them? That's what the king says, right? And Elisha says, no, you can't kill. Even if you had taken them with a sword and they were captives, you, you couldn't kill them. Certainly not taking them by the power of spiritual blindness induced by God through prayer doesn't justify you in slaughtering your captives. But what is the point of that? The point is, God is merciful even to his enemies here, isn't he? They've been delivered into the hands of God's people, and yet God spares them. And what what does that accomplish? Well, it does kind of the equivalent of heaping burning coals on their heads, right? They are ashamed such that they don't come back. But oh, that they would repent. Oh, that they would repent rather than just behave better for a little while. So many times, the world has its eyes opened to spiritual realities. There are times in this nation, in your lifetime, most of you, where things have happened and we have come face to face with God's grace. We've come face to face with evil. We've come face to face with the reality of the difference between the two, right? And so there's school shootings and you come face to face with evil and you, and you just realize this is so wicked, it's so terrible, it's so atrocious, it, it ought not to be. Something is totally broken in this world. It, and then you come face to face with our need of God when there's even greater tragedy. The World Trade Center came down. Everybody was praying because they realized we need God. We need God. See, these little little glimpses, God God opens up our eyes and, and we see, we see the spiritual realities. We know I need a Savior. And so the soldier in the foxhole and the the shells are coming down and the bullets are flying and they're like, I need God. Right? I need this, this, 
This life could end at any minute. I need God. Or I read, a, I read a book by a man who became a Christian after years of God giving him eye-opening experiences where he clearly knew that God had just saved his life, one of which was driving down the road late at night, trying to get back to his military base on time for his break as it's ending. And he'd been partying all weekend and he fell asleep driving 70 miles an hour on a two-lane road and middle of nowhere. The road turned and he didn't. He went straight. Of course, he woke up at that point. The car eventually stops as he slams on the brakes. There's a cloud of dust. The car is stopped. The headlights are still on. And as the dust slowly settles while he sits there with his adrenaline pumping, right? What does he see? A huge billboard that says, Jesus saves. And his eyes were opened. And he knew it was true. And he knew it was Jesus who had saved him. And he did not repent. Not for several years. But his eyes had been opened, hadn't they? God had opened his spiritual eyes to see his truth. Do you want to see? Do you want to see? I don't care if you mean I want to see angels or if you just mean I want to see hope. Do you want to see? Because they're one and the same. With spiritual eyes, we see the angels and we realize I have hope because God is for me. And so if you want to have your eyes opened, here's the deal. Pray that God will open your eyes. That's it. Elisha prays, open his eyes, close their eyes, open their eyes. And God opens and closes and opens. If you want your eyes to be open, pray that God will open your eyes. Pray that he will show you his power, his protection, his mighty right hand. Pray that God would strengthen your faith. Hebrews 11 starts, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. And so you say, well, wait a minute. Why do you say faith is conviction of things not seen? You, you've been saying you want to see. Yes, but, but that's precisely it. See with eyes of faith. See, you don't have to see the angels to have your eyes of faith opened. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You're confident. My hope is in the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. 